Matthew chapter 3, verse number 13. Kelsey's going to read the first verse, 13, for us. All right, here we go. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the, to the Jordan to be baptized by John. All right, verse number 14 through 15, Ben. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And God consented. All right, so first, Jesus comes to get what? Baptized. And what is John's response? Uh, you, need to me. you need to baptize me, right? Verse number 16 through 17. We're going through this quickly, fella. As soon as, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, who whom I love. With him I am well pleased. There are two big things I want you all to take from there. One, what does it say that the Spirit of God did? It descended down upon him like a dove, right? And there was something else that happened in verse number 17. What is it? Something that's different. A little odd. That God spoke and said what? This is my son whom I love. This is my son whom I love. Do you guys know any other instance in the Bible where God verbally spoke and everyone heard when talking to Jesus? The only other time was when Jesus was being transfigured up. So this is very important. This is like initiating, right? It's like saying the Spirit's with you, right? This is my son. I love you, right? So now we're going to go to chapter 4. We had to build that up to get to chapter 4. Um, verse number 1, this is where we're going to mainly stay at. Kate, what you got? Then Jesus was led by the Spirit. Whoa, I like that. we got to stop right there. So then Jesus led by what? The Spirit. The Spirit. This is very, very important because you have to understand Jesus was fully God and fully man. Meaning he experienced the will of God as a man. He came to this earth. He could have came in all of his glory, but he said, no, I'm going to come as a servant. So he experienced the will of God as a man would. He's the only person in history that followed God's will his whole life. As a Christian, your job, your goal should be in God's will your whole life. Right? So now we get to see something. Jesus being led by what? Spirit. This is great, right? He's being led by the Spirit, meaning even Jesus did what? Responded. Responded where God said to go. And it says, what does it say at the end of that verse, Kate? Into the desert to be tempted by the devil. This is interesting, right? Because he's the Spirit doesn't lead him into prosperity, doesn't lead him into a group where he's going to be loved, doesn't lead him to the temple where he can go preach. Where does the Spirit first lead him after he was spoken to by God Almighty in a verbal voice? The desert. Christian, are you afraid of the desert? Are you afraid of the wilderness? Because here the Spirit led him to the wilderness. Right? How many of y'all, if you have a pinnacle moment with God, and it was a huge emotional moment, and then all of a sudden, you expect your life to get a little bit better. And all of a sudden you get frustrated when the next day, it's like your friend group's a little bit harder. Or you're having trouble with your significant other. Or all of a sudden, you're just not, you don't like youth as much. But about three weeks ago, you loved it. Right? Here, where does the Spirit lead them? Desert. Desert. Verse number two. Nate, take us away. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Wow. So now we get to some Into the wilderness. Now, which is amazing, right? Because we've been studying Exodus a little bit. The Israelites were led where? Into the wilderness. Now, when the Israelites were in the wilderness, what did they do a lot? A lot of complaining, right? A lot of complaining. Jesus goes to the wilderness, and what does He do? 
for how long? 40 days and 40 nights. We're not talking about something that's very easy, right? How long did the Israelites stay in the wilderness? 40 years. What Jesus is doing right here, He is showing, He's he's actually playing back to Israel saying, you should have been following God's will in the wilderness. It's really, really cool. The next verse is going to tie some great things together. Verse number 3. Takes away a million. The tempter came to him and said, Oh, wait, that's not the temperature. <laughs> the tempter came to him and said, if Well, have... when did the tempter, when did the devil come? After he had what? Fasted. After. Keep going. Um, if you are a son of God, tell these sins to become bread. So, really quick, the first thing that the devil, the tempter, comes up to Jesus to do, what does he, what does he ask him to do? Now, why would he ask him that? He knew he didn't eat for 40 days and 40 nights. So when did the devil attack? When he seemed to be weak. I got the Israelites to complain when they were hungry. Jesus, it's been 40 days and 40 nights. I know you're hungry. Use your power to change these stones into bread. Right? That's the first thing he says. Now here we go. Verse number 4 says what? What what does it take away? Cole. This is very important. We said because Jesus followed God's will his whole life. So the responses he has to temptation, hey, you should be tempted, right? Your daily life, you're being tempted. So if you know how Jesus, who was in God's will, handled temptation, and he has created the blueprint, he has created the design, when you fall through temptation, it is not God's fault. What does Jesus' response say? Scripture. Scripture. Do you know Scripture? Do you think about Scripture? When you're being tempted, do you quote Scripture? Next verse, verse number five. Oh, Savannah? Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. Now, we're, it, it, it escalates. I'm just going to let y'all know. So it escalates here. Now, where, what does the devil do here now? He takes them where? He takes them to a top of a building, right? And tell them where? Where does it say? The temple. The temple. In the holy city. In the holy city. And what does he do? Verse number six. Sorry, I'm just getting excited here. I'm telling y'all. Kale, verse number six. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. Whoa, so what does he start off? If you're what? The son of God. If you're the son of God, what does he ask him to do? Throw himself down, which is strange, right? Why would the devil tell him to do something like that? To test God. To test God. Now, what does it say at the end of the verse, Cale? For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Do you know what's interesting? In verse number 6, what does the devil actually do? He quotes Scripture. And what he does is he lays out this scenario in such a way that it's what? Not as bad. Right? What he does is he picks on maybe one characteristic of God. One element, right? A lot of times whenever we want things in life, we say, well, God God does want the best for me, right? And he does, but that doesn't mean sin. You see what I'm talking about here? So now it's interesting, what did the devil actually try to get Jesus to do here? To do what? 
Test God. Hey, the Israelites, their faith was weak and frail. They kept asking for a sign. How many times do you struggle with your faith with God? And all of a sudden you're like, God, if it's in your will, please do this so I know. Or tomorrow, can you please do this so I know? Right? Or some of us have the method of, you know what? I'm just going to walk aimlessly through life until God closes the door. And then I know that's not the right way to go. And I'm going to keep going until he closes the door. I have heard that from Christians saying that's how we should handle our life. No, your steps should be deliberate in God's will. You're not aimlessly walking for a door to close. Your faith is weak. How do you not know where the Father's leading you? You see what's happening here? So here the devil's actually trying to test his faith to see if it's weak and frail. Verse number 7. Cammie? Alright, so don't put the Lord your God to the test. How many of y'all put God to the test? How many of y'all say you're a Christian and live in sin and then pray God to bless you? How many of y'all live in sin and say you're a Christian? You tempt God. Verse number eight. This is where we're gonna kind of this final one is where we're kind of kind of sit for the rest of the night. So verse number eight. Um, this is going to be very important because it's going to tie together. I don't have trip read. It's going to tie together a lot of the things we've been talking prior. So I really want y'all to catch this. Verse number eight takes away trip. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain. All right, so we get to see here. So it's almost like the devil is raising the what? He's kind of raising the stakes, right? Now, where does he take him to? A high mountain. Now, what does it say at the end of that trip? Keep going. And showed him all. Oh, what does he do? <laughs> showed him. Showed him. Which is very interesting, right? He showed him. He took him to a high place and showed him. What did he show him, Trip? Uh, all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. Alright, this is where we're going to sit for a second. So the devil, the third temptation here, he takes Jesus up to what? A high mountain. I, you, you don't want to miss this. And what is the first thing that the devil does? Before he even gets to what the promise is going to be, to even he gets whatever the temptation might give you, what does he, what does he do first? He shows. He shows. Tempts him with his what? With his eyes. It was Eve in the garden that said, "You know what? The fruit is good to eat. I see that, Satan. I'm going to eat it." It was David on the balcony that saw Bathsheba bathing and said, "You know what? I want it." It was Lot who said, "I want the better land. I see it. I want it." The devil says, I have gotten everyone else when I get their eyes involved. The king of Israel, David, I got with his eyes. The servant, Jesus Christ, of the living God, I can't get with his eyes. Which is interesting, right? Which is interesting for a couple of different reasons. If the devil were to take you up and to show you all the kingdoms, You'd be like, well, that's stupid, devil. We don't want the kingdoms. But if the devil takes you up and he says, listen, if you want that significant other that you know is not in God's will, go get him. If you want to live in sin, if you want that temporary pleasure up on the high mountain, you can go get it. See, we've completely missed this temptation by sitting there saying, you know what, we never would accept the kingdom from the devil. But how many of y'all accept one night with sin? 
when the devil brings you up to a high mountain. And all it takes was it took you with your eyes, right? It was appealing to the eyes first. You might be saying, James, what are you talking about here? You do realize marketers today use visuals to get you to buy a product. Did you know that? It is taught in school. If you can get someone to look at it, if you can get someone to look at it and desire it, then you've got them. The devil takes Jesus up to a high mountain. The first thing he does is what? Shows him. Verse number 10. What does it say, Nikki? Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. Which is amazing when you think about it. Because the devil tempted him with what? The devil tempted him with something that seemed a little glorious, right? But it was temporary. It was temporary. And Jesus' response is what? Get away from me. What does it say towards the end? Uh, worship the Lord your God. Worship the Lord your God. Here we go. This is the part that's really, really cool. I don't want y'all to miss this. The devil, when he tempted Jesus, tried to get him to indulge in something temporary. Yes, he can have the glory of those kingdoms if he were to bow the knee. But the kingdoms of this world will fade away. The happiness you think you have with a significant other will fade away if it's not in God's will. The happiness you have in your friend groups will fade away if it's not in God's will. The happiness that you think you achieve in sports will fade away if it's not in God's will. And Jesus' response is, get behind me, Satan, because I get to worship the Lord of God forever. My response is what you show me temporary, I'll get to experience forever in the whole kingdom when you're in hell. Get behind me, Satan. Remember your place, Satan. But see, this is part that's crazy. We don't have the power to tell Satan to get behind us when we're indulging in sinful behavior. So some of us is a mockery when we tell Satan, you know what? Get behind me, Satan. And he says, ha, you kidding me? I'm holding your hand. We've been down this path for weeks. Don't tell me to get behind me. I'm leading you. Oh, this door's closed. I do not want y'all to miss this. Jesus' life is the perfect example of what it should look like for you to be in God's will. He came in the form of a servant to show us how to live in God's will. He experienced God's will as a man while being fully God. And here when he's being tempted as a man, unlike the Israelites, unlike us, who would have taken the temptations of the devil, Christ does what? What does Christ do? When he's tempted, what does Christ do? He uses scripture. He resists. Now here we go, verse number 11, which is really, really cool. Bella, thank you Then the devil left. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I had to do it to you, Bella. I had to do it to you. We're, we don't have any verses, I promise. We're, we're, we're close to being done. Isn't this amazing? And the devil did what? When you view your walk with God, if today seems like you're in His will, and then tomorrow it looks like you're being led by the devil, and then the next day it seems like you're being led by God, and then the next day it seems like it's being led by the devil, and it's flip-flop back and forth, 
Can I tell you the devil was leading you the whole time? And the reason I say that is this. When you resist temptation, the devil goes away. And it's during that time you get to experience God on a different level. He was, what does it say at the end of that verse? And behold, angels came and ministered unto him. He experienced something beyond comprehension, beyond anything the devil could offer. But it was only after he resisted the temptation of what the devil had to offer. How many times have you going to miss out on God's blessing in this life to abide in his perfect will because you keep going after the temporary temptations that the devil has for you? How many of us has missed experiencing God ministering to us uninterrupted by the devil? With the devil far behind you and it's just you and God. See, the problem is when we pray, we're praying to God with our eyes up and we're holding the hand of the devil because we know as soon as the prayer's over, I'm going back with my significant other. I know I'm going right back into loving my sports. I'm going back into loving school over God. I'm going back into loving the things that this world has to offer over God. I love money, God. But I'm going to pray to you tonight to forgive my sins. But tomorrow I'm chasing money. You see the issues? I wonder how many of us have actually experienced uninterrupted time with God because we're too busy still holding the hand of the devil. So now we're going to go ahead and we're going to kind of tie this all together and close this out. You know, it said the angels did what to him? Ministered to him. Hey, Christian. When you've been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, better yet, when you've been suffering for the Lord, and you think there's no light at the end of the tunnel, and it seems like it just keeps getting a little bit too difficult. It seems like life's getting a little difficult to you because you're following after Christ. And all of a sudden the devil keeps showing you things that that are temporary and you've said no and you keep saying no and you keep saying no. Do you know what the amazing promise is? God will always provide your needs. If he wants you to keep living, he's going to give it to you. If he wants you to die, then so be it. You get to worship him forever. You see, that's the great deal. Either you worship him here or you worship him in heaven. But can I tell you this? If you don't worship him here, you won't worship him. So we'll finally close with this. I've identified things without actually identifying things. Isn't that amazing? When you read the Word of God, that's what happens. See, I have generalized all the terms of everything we've spoken about tonight, basically. So now when you actually look at your life and you view something temporary that you know the devil has your heart with it, and you know every time you go to pray, every time you keep trying to get close to God, you know no matter what, I'm still going to turn back to it. I've had verbal conversation with friends that say, I want to have a relationship with Christ to be stronger, but I cannot give this up. Have you ever had uninterrupted time with God? Right? Or is your time spent with God on your knees, praying to Him, while he's, the devil's holding your hand? says when temptation came and he resisted, the devil fleed him, right? So if your life involves sinful activities, you're not in God's will.
We'll close there. Is that good?